It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Ray White, the largest real estate and property group in Australasia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio, also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. And welcome to a Wednesday morning, March the 30th. In a moment, Steve Mickenbecker is back, and we are also going to have a look at the win for first home buyers from yesterday's budget announcement. It's the main centre forecast with propertybuyer.com.au. Yeah, let's have a look at the weather for today. And in Sydney, expecting showers with a high of 22 degrees. Melbourne showers developing and 20. Brisbane expecting a possible morning shower with 28 degrees. And in Perth, expecting a high of 28 also with the possibility of a shower or two and a possible thunderstorm. We feature market updates, interviews and trends. It's your real estate podcast for breakfast. Well, the government is expanding its first home buyers scheme, which was announced in the budget yesterday, where people only need to have a 5% deposit to buy a house with no lender's mortgage insurance. And it's expanding the scheme from 10,000 places up to 35,000 places a year. But it comes with rules on who is eligible and how expensive the houses can be. And on top of that, it's creating a new regional housing scheme with 10,000 annual places from October the 1st for first-home buyers or people who haven't owned property in the last five years, including permanent residents. And this new scheme is aimed at encouraging construction, which is a, an important element in regional areas. Now, to access it, people have to either build or buy a newly built home in a designated regional area. The budget also includes money to extend the Family Home Guarantee Scheme, which, while not exclusively for first-home buyers, is aimed at helping single parents either buy their first home or re-enter the property market. And the scheme means that eligible people only have to come up with 2% deposit to buy a house and not pay lenders mortgage insurance. And last year the government announced that it would offer 10,000 places over four years. It's now adding 5,000 extra places a year. So quite a bit of good news there for first home buyers. And coming up in just a moment we're going to be speaking to Steve Mickenbecker and just a reminder that the interview with Steve was recorded before the budget announcements. Across every state, city and town of Australia, The Real Estate Podcast. Well, last time we spoke to this morning's guest, we talked about a generation of home mortgage borrowers who have only ever known the good times of mortgage rates going down, 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 and most of them have borrowed heavy to get into the property market, but they are the ones currently in the property market, and if you are outside the entry point, the cost of a home is only getting more and more expensive, as we know. But as we discussed, the government is looking at taking an equity stake in a home purchase and is that a viable option moving forward? Well joining us again is Steve Mickenbecker from Canstar who is back. Good morning Steve, welcome back to the Real Estate Podcast. Good morning Craig, it's great to be with you. 
First off, the oil prices, ah, man, they're going to be a real headache for the government to soften the blow from the Ukraine crisis. These price hikes cut right across all sectors. No one is really spared from feeling the Bowser pump pain, but we're pretty resilient. We're a resilient bunch of Aussies. We have to adapt to it. It's a global issue, and it is potentially set to last for some time, really, sort of moving forward, unfortunately. The unfortunate part of it is that household expenses, now it's not just petrol at the Bowser, it's also the grocery basket, have gone up quite rapidly, disturbingly actually in the last uh, 12 months. Wages haven't kept pace. We're yet to see wage inflation really take off. So it's going to be a headache until we start seeing wages move along with household expenses. And then, of course, we're going to see home loan interest rates go up. So there'll be no reprieve when eventually wages go up. Yeah, and everything's kind of pointed at the sharp end towards the the household spends, particularly the mortgage money, and that discretionary spending is getting tighter and tighter as a result of all of those things going up, as you mentioned. Yeah, discretionary spend is the thing that will have to give way. Uh, You know, you have to pay your household food bill, you've got to pay for petrol, you've got to pay your bills and you've got to pay your mortgage. Now, at the end of the day, money in is your wage and if all of those costs are going up, well, you're going to have to actually cut that cut back on some discretionary spend. And now that slows the economy's growth up, but it's unfortunately the way it's got to be. And as I mentioned, the government is looking at taking this equity stake in a home purchase. This is an active discussion in New South Wales. We have, of course, on the podcast spoken to Brendan Coates about this paper on the shared equity home mortgage option, which if you look at the medium property prices, particularly in metros like a a Sydney or a Melbourne it's desperately required there. So what do you think? Do you think that this is a workable idea? I think it's a workable idea. The fact is that, frankly, in Sydney, Melbourne, young first-home buyers have been priced out of the market. And we've got to find a way of redressing that because we'll have social issues going forward that we've not faced as a country. We pride ourselves on equity. And there's not a lot of equity where, I guess, first-home buyers are being crowded out really because of investment and the attractiveness of negative gearing and discounted capital gains tax. Maybe that's got to be addressed as well, but that's a bit of a political nightmare. Shared equity means people get less down the track in terms of capital gain, but they're in a property and they've got the foothold. So, you know, I sort of welcome the approach, but make sure people that you're getting a bit of advice on this before you step into an arrangement like that. Understand what you're foregoing down the track, but understand, I guess, the good thing about getting into a market earlier. Yeah, that's definitely the key is being able to get into the property market at all. Now, many critics, of course, are going to argue, is this the role of the government to be getting into an equity stake into a new home purchase? And one can't help but feel, you know, we've got this uh, general election that's coming up. All sorts of things are going to be fired across the bow. And this is probably one discussion point. Look, I think it is. 
Obviously, governments shouldn't be taking equity in houses. It's not the sort of thing a government should be investing taxpayers' money in. That's very obvious. Something has to be done to help first home buyers get a foothold in the market. All of the other things, which really means slowing up on investment in in housing, all of those things are just as difficult. So look, the debate will be there one way or another. I think governments sitting on their hands any longer is ceasing to be viable because it's affecting a whole generation. And I wanted to mention about the reopening of Australia's international border, which is good news for cities and demand, particularly for CBD living, which is starting to return. And there's been a sharp rise in the number of people looking to rent homes in the centre of major cities. And realestate.com.au is reporting that a total number of searches for rentals in capital city CBDs in the first 10 weeks of this year was 27% higher than the same period in 2021. Nowhere is this growth more pronounced than in Melbourne, where CBD rent searches have risen by 46%. So, yeah, I guess this is going to squeeze the the rental market somewhat with the numbers coming in. Yeah, it's surprising that it's happened this quickly because, you know, I've been looking at this and saying, well, overseas students will come back in force eventually. Short-term rentals for for tourists, properties will be converted to that purpose, but that hasn't really started in in earnest yet. And here we are already with, uh, (laughs) we're taking off. Now, I guess 2021, uh, January 2021 would have been quite a low point. So it's a low starting point, but nevertheless, if we've got that sort of pressure starting to develop now, before the students and before the tourists are coming back in force, then there will be quite a squeeze down the track. Yeah, I think definitely that's likely to happen. And talking of happening, the slide in credit card debt has been happening for a while now, which is great news, I think, especially for first-home buyers because it does help with their loan mortgage applications. Have you got any thoughts about the credit card debt, particularly for people that are trying to save for mortgages? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's great that people knocked off about $10 billion over the last couple of years. It has slowed the, the, the rate of decrease of the debt, but nevertheless, $10 billion is great. What people have to remember with, with credit cards is that the banks have to allow for credit card repayments when they're assessing whether you can afford to repay a home loan. And it's not just the repayments of the existing debt. The banks have to build in repayment of your credit card limit over three years and pretend that you've fully drawn it and have to repay that debt. So it means two things. One is clear your credit card debt. But two, if you're applying for a home loan, get rid of those unwanted credit cards or get a lower credit card limit on them so that you, you're not going to be hit with that. It could mean your borrowing capacity will be reduced by a couple of hundred thousand dollars because you've got a lazy credit card debt or a fat limit that's not being used, but the bank has to allow for that in the repayments. So fix up the credit card before you start applying for home loans. Good advice. Fix it before it starts to break and cripple you. And in talking of the credit cards, just before we go, the credit card companies, they're dipping their toes into the buy now, pay later. I think people have got to be still a little bit weary in terms of getting rid of the credit card on one hand and then booking up with buy now, pay later. What do you think? 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's all debt, isn't it? But one point is that it's, it's a very low number compared to credit card debt at this stage. The second point is that if you repay on time, you have no interest charge. Buy now, pay later is fine, used properly. If you are spending money that you can't actually afford to repay in a couple of months, then you'll end up in the same situation as, I guess, a whole generation of baby boomers and Gen Xs did with credit card debt. It can be a trap. Look at your budget and only going to buy now, pay later if you can make those uh, the four repayments and clear it in that time. Hey, Steve, great to catch up with you again. Thanks so much. And thank you for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Craig. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. Thank you.